Blog Talk Radio. And welcome, welcome back. It's, this is Barb Goldberg of The Evil Stepmother Speaks, and this is our fourth installment of actually teaching the book, The Evil Stepmother Speaks, A Guide for Stepfamilies Who Want to Love and Laugh. I am the author of the book, as well as, um, I wanted to say, one of many stepmother fearless leaders out there for the TheEvilStepmotherSpeaks.com, as well as this radio show, The Evil Stepmother Speaks Radio Show, and our Facebook groups, both The Evil Stepmother Speaks, as well as Stepmom Life Class. So, you know, let's just get right to it. So, for those of you that uh, were in class last week or have listened, you'll remember that where we left off was we were actually talking about and listening to our actual physical homes, our living spaces. You know, those spaces where lots of times, especially women, we often think those living spaces are a direct reflection of ourselves. Remember that? When we were visiting our homes, as our stepmother continues on her journey, she was actually talking to the walls of her home. And one of the things that she learned, the actual moral of that chapter was, your living space is mutual living space. And that idea that your home is a total reflection of only you is a myth. Our homes are a reflection of our families and all the chaos, excitement, and a bunch of people. So uh, you know what that looks like. And we also learned that it's important for us to isolate a part of our home somewhere. Somewhere. It could be the littlest piece of space that's just for us. Something that we can have decorated or a space that just feels right for us. Because, like I just said, there's lots of people. There's just lots of people. We also, of course, when we're talking about our house, we talked about those dreaded chores. And we talked about Picking just one chore that maybe is really important to you and making sure that your partner and and both you just have the kids do that chore. But to take on the whole responsibility of uh, telling the kids what they have to do and when they have to do it and what they're supposed to do in the house, not our job. We want it to be our job, let's be honest, but it's really not, and it really has to come from the bio parents. So don't always feel as if you have to do something, like you have to do everything yourself. If you can afford it, get a cleaning crew. If not, share a lot of the responsibilities of the house with your partner. And one of the most important lessons you can learn is most of what's going on has to do with the normal development patterns of children, and it really isn't personal. Not everything is about our remarriage or our divorces. So with that, let's move on. So today we're on Chapter 7, and it's called Off with the king's head. And this chapter, we're actually giving some time to talk about um, our partners and what they must be going through. And in fact, when you really think about most fairy tales, they barely ever talk about the king. He's either silent or dead. But in our book, The Evil Stepmother Speaks, the king ran the kingdom with an iron hand. Peace ensued among the greater tribesmen of the kingdom and the world that's going on around us. But inside life in the castle was another matter. Turmoil reigned within the family tribe. Can't we relate to that? And you know, 
He had always been a symbol of tribal unity, and everyone was going to him for the sage advice and was looking to him for leadership. Most importantly, everyone loved him dearly, but nobody realized that the king was under siege. How many times, you know, in your own life have you um, looked at your partner and thought, you know, what's going on? Doesn't seem like he or she is doing anything, at least not what we want them to do, right? Well, let's keep going and see why that is and see what we can do about it. Well, first of all, the king, our partners, are beset by financial woes in many cases. Of course, not all. There's child support, there's alimony, and, you know, day-to-day expenses only went up. There's the first family, the second family, and who knows how many, many of us have, right? And, um, but, you know, many cases, even though it may seem fairly obvious, always remember that your partners may not say anything about the financial pressure that, that he feels. He might be suffering in silence while that reptilian brain that we learned all about in the first couple chapters is literally shaking to the core. Because at the end of the day, often, not always, our kings are being torn apart mentally and sometimes even physically by two rival camps, right? There's the first wife or the first partner, our queen, demanding time, money, and resources, resources because she is fighting for her own survival and the quality of life for her children. Meanwhile, us, the stepmother in the story, we're also demanding the attention because we are now the new queens, right? And the children are becoming more and more demanding of time and resources as they see perhaps another family being formed other children that we may have brought to this new step family. And so all the way around, as our villain fear takes hold of our brains, we all become more demanding. If you are going to be honest with yourself, I mean really honest, do you think that you've become more demanding as a stepmother? And in this stepmother role, do you sometimes look and think, I don't even recognize myself? I mean... Do you ever, I know you, many of you think that. We all say it over and over again. But when you look at yourself, have you become more demanding? Well, that makes complete sense. It really does. Because a lot of our human nature and the way we're physiologically built is going to really uh, make our limbic systems, our reptilian brains, be frightened that we're going to be separated, we're going to be divorced, this is going to happen, that's going to happen, da-da-da-da-da-da-da, along with the story that That ex-wife is after us 24-7. Note that I called it a story. So, but the bottom line of it is, is that our kings very often, and we talk about this one a lot, harbors guilt about the time away from his children. And he's incredibly worried about how the divorce has affected them. And although he may search high and low to try to conquer that enemy guilt, Meanwhile, the villain, villain, let me start again. (laughs) Although he's trying to conquer the enemy guilt, that villain fear is still whispering the following into his ear. 
The children will stop visiting you. You'll be broke. That queen is never going to stop asking for more money. And you know what? You're probably going to end up divorced again. And when you hear those fears, I wonder if any of the step-parents out there actually can relate. You don't want to be the reason or be blamed if those stepchildren stop visiting or claim they don't love their dad or their biological parent anymore. You don't want to be broke either, and we don't want to be divorced from any of us again either. So here's the thing. With no certain plan and with really being unsure about what to do, very often the kings of our castles determine that silence is the best way to manage the guilt. In this way, he can maintain balance among the tribes and he doesn't disappoint anyone. In other words, quote, say the wrong thing. And as he maintains his silence, his heart starts to cool and he just prays every day that the pressure would ease. So, The king visited with his royal advisors who told him that the real enemy was guilt. Who's guilt? The king said. Let's find him and destroy his armies. But the royal cabinet said guilt is an elusive enemy. It is a feeling of responsibility or remorse for some offense, crime, wrong, etc., whether real or imagined. There are no concrete enemies to fight. You have to fight it within yourself. And by the way, when we say whether real or imagined, even when it's imagined, it feels really real, right? And But one of the things that the king probably doesn't realize, and maybe we don't realize it either, that the answer to all of his wishes the release of the guilt, the the lessening of the pressure, actually was living right next to him. Hmm, I wonder who that could be. So tell me if you can relate to some of this, right? Have you ever sat with your partner and you're watching the relationship, or not the relationship, but some of the behaviors with the children, and in your mind you're thinking... This person appears to be deaf, perhaps, doesn't seem to have any eyesight, and doesn't seem to notice anything. Remember that? Going through it now? Let me give you some examples that might spark your memories if you need it. Ever sat there where the child was showing complete disrespect? I mean, really bad. Either to to their dad, to you, and... Later you say, oh my God, did you hear that? Why didn't you say anything? And their response is, I didn't hear that. Do you ever see a child come in and maybe dressing inappropriately or behaving inappropriately? You're looking around, nothing's happening. Later on, here comes the nagging. You repeat the whole incident to your spouse and they say, absolutely nothing. You might see a child, if you have younger ones, beating up at another child. Nothing happens again. Uh, Kids might be having wild parties. You're convinced when they walk out the door that they're not really saying where they're really going. Nothing. Or when you walk in the door and you see the house is trashed, let's go back to that one again. 
and nothing. No response, doesn't seem to notice it. So, what does that do? Oh, drive you totally insane. Uh, totally. And what's going on in our brains? Let me give you a little bit of a sample of that. I just can't believe that he doesn't see, hear, or notice anything. Of course, it never, ever really crossed our minds that maybe it's us, but here's the deal. What I'm really thinking is, you know, I know better. This All this stuff shouldn't be happening. I know the kids shouldn't be disrespectful to adults. And I'm thinking, since no one's doing anything, because that's what I see, the kids are going to be totally ruined. Not only are they going to be ruined, spoiled beyond belief. Spoiled beyond my belief. And if no one is going to do anything and stop them from their craziness, they're going to be running our entire life. In fact, they're running our entire life right now. Sound familiar? And you know what? It feels like I'm not important to anybody. No one's listening to me. Nobody cares what I think. And I'm going to be living in this hellhole forever. And you know where that's going to lead? You know what? I don't know if this marriage is going to make it. I don't know if I can stay with this person anymore because I think I'm losing respect. You know what? We're going to be ending up Divorce, and by the way, because nobody even says no to anybody around here, we're going to be out of money and we're back to living in a van by the river. Can anybody relate at all or have you had these moments? But here's the deal. If you step back and if you're listening to me go through the list of complaints, if you will, I'm challenging you to ask yourself once again, like we did in earlier chapters, is this really, really true? I mean, is it 100% true that the kids are going to be ruined? That they're completely spoiled beyond belief and therefore will never work, ever be independent, go to school or do anything with their lives? Really, it may feel this way. But think back to our lessons about ego, left brains, lizard brains, and it feels like we're back into that spiral again. Because you know what? We are. We definitely are. And I'm just going to challenge you to question any of these thoughts that you may have on occasion or you're having right now as you're listening to this and truly ask yourself, how do we really 100% know that any of that's true? And the obvious answer is we don't. We don't. It's a reality that we're creating on our own. But if you're like most of us, you're going to start nagging the king of the castle over and over and over again. Why? Because you want that person to grow some kahunas, right? You want them to do it your way. Your way. So stop and breathe for just a second as you're all shaking your head, yes, absolutely. And really think about whether our way is truly the right way. I know I've always thought that I knew better. I mean, I'm teaching this class, right? But do I really? Do you really? Do any of us really, quote, know better? So what is the moral of this chapter? Well, it circles back to our beginning chapters and to always remind yourself that those biological parents are really suffering. Give them room to breathe. 
and be a source of peace to them. Bottom line, no one has definitive answers to perfect parenting. Our opinions are just that, another opinion. And if compelled to express an opinion, tell your spouse and your partner once and just let it go. So, let's go through some tactics and a couple things that might help us do this. Well, let's stop ourselves from nagging, right? Because I want you to think about it. Would you want to be nagged and have someone be repeating over and over and over again the same messages? It would drive you nuts, right? Here's the thing. As long as the situation is not dangerous, is the house on fire, are the kids really in danger, is there a safety issue? And if your answers are no, then just stop right now. If you have something to say, you need to go over and over it, get onto one of our secret Facebook pages and you can do it there. Call a dedicated friend, do it there. But it does nothing for your marriage. And if there is a dangerous situation, obviously call 911. And you know what? On on issues like this, the best gift you can give your marriage, yourself, your partner, is to visit a professional to help you through it. That professional will guide you. And I'll tell you, to try to do a blended family blend on your own is extremely difficult. And where we got the idea that we just have Absolutely had to do it on our own. I don't know. But we don't. And that trusted professional can be anyone from a clergy member to uh, a psychologist, a therapist, someone who specializes in this area. And of course, you can always contact me. This sounds like a really bad plug, but you can at uh, the Evil Stepmother Speaks under Stepmom Support. Be happy to help. And as we always end every chapter, take a deep breath. Make sure you keep breathing. Keep smiling. And when it's appropriate and not behind the wheel, to moving on to Chapter 8. It's called The Yellow Brick Road Leads to Step World. So as the stepmother's journey continues, As she's traveling down that yellow brick road, she only knows that she's trying to get to Step World, wherever that is. And when she reaches there, she's going to find the ultimate answers to all of her questions, although she's finding some along the way, right? So let's continue on down that yellow brick road to this chapter, which is entitled, Do You Know What Your End Game Is? Well, I can tell you that that evil stepmother was really frustrated and lonely by this point of her journey. She's thinking, let me get this straight. I can't change the castle. I can't parent the children. I'm being portrayed to the world like some mistress. No one likes me. I don't know if this marriage was such a great idea. No wonder all the stepmothers in the old stories are widows. No wonder they're so bitter. You know, there just has to be a better way. All of a sudden, the evil stepmother heard a voice. Over here, as she's looking around, doesn't see anything. It says, who is that? I'm lost. I need to find my way. Oh, I know you are. I came to help you. And when she looked down, she had a little, shall we say, a little dog. If you can envision one, sort of half chihuahua, half dachshund, 
black, two teeth draped over his top lip, one ear up, one ear down. Oh, my God, it's a talking dog. You must be like Toto from The Wizard of Oz. Nope, not so much. No, not when an evil stepmother's on her journey. The dog introduced himself as Danny and said, I have no interest in being your trusted companion, but I'll get you started on your path. Well, of course, that path was made of yellow bricks. So, first of all, to get on the road, you need to know where you're going. Where are you really going? And I must say that as much fun as I had writing this chapter, it was really inspired from my years in business and in corporate America. You know, when every single year came, there was no question about what our end goal was for that year and for the ultimate future. We knew exactly what we were trying to accomplish. Numbers, how we were going to grow, how many sales we had to make, how we were going to get there, et cetera, et cetera. But I have grave questions about whether any of us, when we get into our families, really, really have those types of goals laid out, written down, so that we really know what roles or goals are we trying to accomplish for our family and and what role do we play. And maybe I could say that again because I rearranged the words again. <laughs> and that is, what are your goals for your family and what role do you play? Well, let's see. Um, first of all, in my head I was thinking, as she did on her yellow brick road trip, let's see, my role do I play? Well, I kind of felt like I'm somewhere between a parent or a friend, and in the book I called it a friend. Many people don't even think about it again. Um, but, you know, how does that give you really a ton of guidance. So what Danny the dog teaches her is that everyone determines their own path and journey. Not that 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 is that helpful, but you can get a few pointers. And to find your true path, once again, you got to find your own road and the road to step world. Because that's a place where magic exists. So getting yourself on the right path and on the right purpose is really critical. And the first way you do that is by determining your end game. And here's how you do it. You sit and you envision your life with your family, maybe five or ten years from now, and really almost specifically see that vision. And literally take the time, as corny as it sounds, as much as here comes your left brain going, I don't want to do it, I don't want to do it, I don't have the time, not true. And write down what you see. And I mean, look at yourself and your family. And do you see yourself, um, let's see, spending every single day together? Um, In the long run, you know, um, I'm babysitting for my grandchildren. Uh, We do everything together and it doesn't matter, including the ex. Um, People see me maybe as a resource another resource, a mentor. Um, How do you see yourself and how would you like to be viewed? I know for me personally, it has nothing to do with anyone else. I wanted to be viewed as like a fun person who's fun to be around. I wanted to be able to share my trials and successes with everyone in the family. 
I wanted to have a big full career and um, I wanted to have dear friends who I talk to and see often. Um, I wanted a situation where all of our extended family hangs out and enjoys being together as a total, total uh, family. And of course, I wanted financial resources that would give us, you know, the ability to live comfortably or to travel and anything else. All of those thoughts were my thoughts, but they're certainly not yours. And that's step one, to sit down and really envision how do you see this family looking in five or ten years? Really, really write it down. And how do you see your role within that story? And write it down. You see, in our cases, it's really important to write it down. Because the power of the story that exists around us is so powerful that if we don't write it down, the world has already written it down for us. And I don't really think that it's the story we want told about where we're going, as in being a widowed, nasty, bitter thing, and where we really want to go. And when it comes to business, one of the uh, basic tenets of business is that those businesses where you write your plans down have a much higher percentage of succeeding than those where people never wrote down their business plans. It's the same concept here. It's no different than if you're running a business and you wanted to start a business, you would write everything down from your financial statements to goals for the for the business, you'd write down exactly what that business did. It's the same thing. So you really want to know your end game because if you don't know your end game, then you don't know where you're going. I mean, you really don't know where you're going. And there are times sometimes when um, stepmoms come to me or I watch uh, and, and read some of the uh, messaging on Facebook that I really question whether anyone has really taken, not anyone, but many of us have taken the time to write down that end game. It's such an important exercise. And it might be a little bit complicated to do. I mean, especially when we talk about the whole role ambiguity of being a stepmother. I mean, who are we really? Are we the, everyone's friend? Are we a memory creator? Are we an event organizer? Are we a coach, an acquaintance? And it's different. There's no right. There's no wrong. It's different for all of us. But take the time to do that. So with that, really think about when you're writing the things that you personally love to do and make sure that it's included. And that's why the day you became a stepmother, or for purposes of our book, The Evil Stepmother, your search for your personal soul began. Because all those things, exercises like this, thought processes about where we fit, where we're going, we're literally forced to do it. That's what makes step-life family so hard. Because at the end of the day, stepmothers have to do that hard, grueling, internal work that your mind's going to be fighting all the way around that they don't want you to do. You're always faced with the key questions of life. Who are you? What unique skills and talents do you bring to your family and to earth? <laughs> what is your purpose in, for being here? And what expectations do you have for yourself and for your family? 
everybody, I mean, not everybody, said everybody again, not true, but many of us just hate being asked those questions because it's so hard. And that's what your stepmother journey is really all about. So when you're sitting down and you're getting ready to really think about your life and where you're going, I'd love to remind you of the serenity prayer, so important in life, but especially in the stepfamily life. God, grant me the serenity to accept the things I cannot change, courage to change the things I can, and the wisdom to know the difference. And on that, use the serenity prayer as your guiding light on your journey. Accept the things I cannot change. Courage to change the things that you can. Never forget it as you're developing your end game and as you're making your decisions along the way. So, with that, many of these pearls of wisdom came from our friend Danny the dog. And with that last piece of advice, he went on his way and he pointed it in the direction for the evil stepmother to continue on hers. And it's this point, just as I talked about before, that in the book, I talk about um, how in business, nobody would ever start without saying, what business are you in? But yet with our families, you know, what kind of family are we? Where are we going? Um, And the answers may not be as clear cut as it seems. We often talk about... um, Apple here, the company Apple. Are they a manufacturer of computers and mobile devices? Mm, Yeah. Um, Or are they leading a revolution in computers and mobile devices? Hmm. Or are they in the cool business? Hmm. Making people feel cool. Or are they an innovation business? So take the time to really think about it sounds like a visit to Starbucks just to sit there and really give it some thought. So are we as stepmoms in the mommy business? Are we in the consulting business? Sometimes I think I am. So whatever answer you come up with, no right, no wrong. You can tell me if I'm wrong. I think you're going to find it somewhat life-changing. For me, I decided long ago that I would be in the memory business. I really love that idea. I love the idea that I was going to provide a living scrapbook for our family all the time. It's kind of my thing. I'm not a scrapbooker, but I can be a memory creator. And that doesn't mean by constantly doing events. I like doing that. But also, I realize that a memory can be created by my silence. And actually, more memories are created by walking the talk and my dog barking (laughs) rather than complaining or asking people to do what I wanted. I learned that a kind word can be powerful. You can always find something kind to say to a child when they walk in the door, when they're there, something that they do well. Something. And that you can make your 
your home. A beautiful place for when kids come in. I don't mean beautiful in the sense of decorating, but just to feel safe. And that by sharing our own triumphs, fears, and our love for them and the others in our family is actually a photo that they would keep forever. And that that was going to be my mission. But once again, that's a personal thing. And I just wanted to share it with you just to kind of give you a little bit of an example. So, moral of this chapter, please have my dog stop barking. But the moral of the story, no, it's not that. Your vision of your life is critical to help you create the role you'll be you will play within your family. How can you really serve? It's by being realistic and staying focused on those areas of life you can really control. Nice part is it's probably a really short list. So what are the tactics that we learned in this chapter that might be able to help us move forward? Well, we said it a million times. Take the time to write down your end game. What do you want your life and your family to look like in 10 years? And here's the thing. Be specific in your in your descriptions. Another idea here is to do another exercise on what your ideal day would look like, the absolute perfect day, and being extremely specific down to what you're wearing, what shoes you're wearing, what time you get up in the morning, what you see when you get up, and really go through the absolute details of an ideal day. That's another great exercise will help you formulate where you want to go. And be sure to focus on what you want your personal life to look like, both professionally, personally, and the spiritual dimensions of your life. For those of you that can be um, uh, can really be practiced in journaling every morning, that will really help to strengthen and clarify your thinking especially when you're in times and in the middle of an intense drama or it feels like an intense drama. One of the great ways to figure out where you want to go and a great way to visualize it is to create a vision board. And with that, you cut out pictures that represent yourself and your life goals. If you want to see great instructions on making a vision board, you can certainly Google it. And also, you can Google Martha Beck and how to make a vision board. And she gives great instructions um, off the Oprah.com site once you make use those words to Google her. And as always, remember the serenity prayer. And remember to always pick your battle. Choose wisely. And in the end, there might be very few worth picking. So think about that. Every single battle, every single thing that gets on your nerves, you sincerely do not have to discuss or pick to argue with your spouse about. It's like not sweating the small stuff. Right? Choose wisely. And as we always end a chapter, to breathe, smile, never drink and drive, but and drink if, if it makes you feel right. So we're going to tiptoe a little bit into chapter 9 won't have time to go through the whole thing, but it's one of my favorite chapters. So I wanted to tiptoe into it as the stepmother continues her journey. And this chapter nine is called The Shaman 
and it's the subtitle is The Evil Stepmother Finds Her Ruby Slippers, right? After all, we had the power all along. Remember, Dorothy and the Wizard of Oz? We had the power all along. So as the evil stepmother continued on the journey down the yellow brick road, she heard a sound and it felt like the wind was rushing around her and it felt as though it was talking to her. And if the wind generated voices that felt as if they were coming from her soul and it repeated the following, it's irresistible, it's irresistible. And she wondered, what's irresistible? And the universe answered, this is the shaman. And the shaman will explain it to you. Well, she instinctively knew she had to find the shaman because she knew that if she found the shaman, it would send her to step world and he would know exactly, or she would know exactly what to do. So she didn't know where to go, so she just stopped under a tree and started breathing. And she kept hearing the wind tell her over and over again, if you keep breathing, the answers will come. Because the oxygen is flowing from your lungs to your head to your heart. From your lungs to your head to your heart. And again, she kept hearing that word. And the shaman kept saying it, irresistibility. And she wondered, how am I supposed to learn irresistibility? And the shaman told her that everything was not as it seemed. The stepmother's love for the king was intentional, for she was sent to heal the wounds. In fact, he said, all stepmothers had the power and were called to their families by the energy sent through the universe by the family. The vibrational power of the divorce had combusted and formed a chemical reaction. And this chemical message sent out a very unique and special call for love. And so the universe responded by sending an empathetic messenger whose mission was to heal. And for many, that messenger was never revealed. Often, that messenger would emerge as a familiar but much maligned character. Now I wonder for those of you listening as I was reading that paragraph about how the vibration had sent out for a messenger of love created by the combustion of divorce. If any of you felt a connection to that, as if your heart was responding to it, as if it was something that seemed to be calling to you. So the evil stepmother then continued on and said to the shaman, what are you saying? Do you think I was sent to my family as their personal savior? Well, no, the shaman said. No, that's a little bit too strong. But he said that we were sent as step messengers and as a teacher and as a coach. And our job was to stay the course until the others can hear. And that the task was a very, very difficult one, demanding a person of high strength and the resolve, and resolve, deep resolve. 
and that we are chosen for the task. Well, when the stepmother heard that in our story, she said, you know, I think you have the wrong word going. It's not irresistibility, it's invisibility. Ah, yep. Those step messengers have been given the gift of learning the basic tenets of the universe because they learn the hard way, which can be very impactful. And in this way, they inspire the world. And with that, and taking another deep breath, the shaman recounted three core lessons, especially for those of us who have chosen one way or another to live in step world. The first lesson is that life is often ironic. The obvious is frequently not what it appears to be. I like to put it that life has an inherent sense of humor. It's like when people say, have you ever heard the expression baggage? I don't want to marry a person with baggage. Well, baggage is usually a code word for divorce, ex-spouses, stepchildren, etc., etc. And actually, although for many it may look like baggage, it's actually a privilege. When you are asked to join a family, for many, they will shy away from this gift. But for those who seize the opportunity, it is truly the ultimate life gift. So, and the reason for that is it means immediately that those of us who have made that choice also chose by making that decision to practice the universal laws. This is what truly makes life rich and really makes it worth living. It's not easy, but it's a privilege. The second lesson, one of my favorites, means to be home-based to your children. And it taught us the power of ritual. Now, home-based doesn't mean custody. It has to do with the universal home-based. It has to do with creating a safe space. Similar to when you're playing baseball and you get into base, what do the everyone, everyone always scream? Safe, right? There's a reason for that. Somehow, we've learned how to create a safe space. So every time a stepchild work, walks into your home, may not be exactly the way you want it to be, and they may not be as loving or caring as you would like or in your imagination it would be, Always remember how scary it all is for them. And always remember the skills that you've learned in this book and you're really the second half really going to learn. And that is how to change the vibration of the room. You can change anything. Absolutely anything. Because you have the power to meet that child or your spouse where they're at. Without complaining, but just accepting them who they are. Hmm. I'm not going to go into all the specifics of being home-based, although it's one of my most favorite parts of this book in this class, but it's well worth rereading over and over and over and over again because it's one of the most powerful skills that you can acquire is how to create a home that's safe. Not beautiful, not perfect, safe. And one of the keys 
is by creating rituals. Hmm. And let's see, the third lesson the shaman wanted to teach was always remember that you can't compete. Anyone who wants to love you is always welcome. And you know, very often, whether we want to admit it or not, our families can be become quite competitive. Deep in our souls, you know, the ex-spouse is thinking, I don't I just don't want my children to love their dad more than me, the stepmother more than me, and frankly, we all do it right back. Our spouses, a lot of times, they get frozen in time is because they don't want the children to love anyone else more than them or to lose the love of their children. And if we were to be honest, we feel the same way. We want to be loved on an equal basis. If not on an equal basis, if some of us are going to be super honest, some of us want to be loved more than those bio parents. But the great lessons that you learn here in actually applying the universal laws and accepting the gift of step parenthood is that love is abundant. There's literally an unlimited supply. There's no scarcity. You can't run out. And then more than enough for everybody. And don't forget that people will show their love in different ways to different people. So how you may react to your mom will be different. How you react to your best friend is different to how you react and show your love to your dad and on and on and on. It's just not a competitive event. Once again, somehow, through lessons that we learned, especially in Western culture, life becomes this huge, massive competition. So be careful of that trend and try, although no way do you have to be perfect, is that be aware of those competitive feelings. Because you know what? That villain fear loves to prey on divorced people because we have fear that lodged in our brains and thoughts that come into our minds that is just constant. But in fact, it is literally impossible to love one more than another because love is just love. And with that, you can just be. For love doesn't have a competitive bone in its body. And with that, it seems like a great place to wrap up our fourth session. And um, I'm hopeful that I'll be back uh, every year. I like to put out an itinerary of classes for stepmoms. You can see them on the site, theevilstepmotherspeaks.com, under Stepmom Support, under Classes. I'll advertise them on our Facebook pages as well. And for sure, I would love to, to teach additional classes as we go into more details about how to find your ruby slippers, that you had the power all along, and how to be home-based to your children, and getting into the deep uh, lessons that the rest of the Evil Stepmother Speaks, the Guide for Step Families Who Want to Love and Laugh, have to teach as the story goes on and on until the stepmother finally finds the secret to stepmother life. And I want to thank all of you for listening to the recording or listening live. I just love, love, love having you here. And need I reiterate, if you need to find me, my email is barb at theevilstepmotherspeaks.com. You know where we are on Facebook. But just so 
uh, those of you who would like to be in the private group, it's called Stepmom Life Class, and the only way to get in is to friend me on Facebook under Barb Goldberg. And I'll see you, I'll drop you a note, and I'll get you into Stepmom Life Class. Um, we ask that that's a sacred space for stepmothers to be and that um, whatever is said or happens on Stepmom Life Class stays there. Feel free to tweet me at Stepmom Speaks. And if you need any help and feel like you could use additional support, I like to call it an extra hand on your back, please contact me and I'd be happy to arrange a one-on-one coaching session and for as many sessions as you need. For most of my clients, it doesn't take long and we can go on our merry way and come back a year from now or whenever when we feel like we just need a little bit more support. I thank you for your time and we will talk soon. Take care.